You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Psyched by MG. This is Mary Grace Randazzo Ratliff, or MG for short. I've been a psychotherapist in private practice for 32 years now. Guess what, everyone? We all have issues. So it's time to lighten up and move forward. Let's stop letting our crap control us and take control of our crap. Well, we're here tonight. Hello, we've got Lisa Bunnage with us tonight. Welcome back, Lisa. We're excited to have you. Um, and we've got, of course, Barbara Mangami. Hi, Barbara. Hey there. Hi, everybody. How's everyone doing? Doing good. Doing good. Well, before I even forget, I've, I've got to let everybody know where they can find us. Um, you can find Psyched by MG, of course, at Podcast Detroit. Big shout out to them. Um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, of course, LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, you know, Lisa Bunnage is back and she is a, you know, parenting coach for a good 40 years. Um, she's been on the show before. She talked about hookup culture with us. Um, and you can find Lisa at bratbusters.com. Um, and then, of course, we have Barbara Mangami. Hi, Barbara. Hey, how's everybody doing? How are you doing, MG? Good, good, good. Let's give your podcast a plug. So you guys can find me on uh, Anchor FM, and it's a generic African auntie, old world wisdom that you won't find in books, and they certainly didn't teach you in schools. You can find me on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and several other platforms. But yeah, guys, do subscribe. Send your young women over there. I talk uh, specifically to young women. So thank you. Yes. And, and you know, the big thing, and I want to tell everyone who's listening, please, please take a moment. We really, really need you to subscribe, to hit like, um, to rate us, uh, give us a nice rating. Um, that kind of support is just so essential to us. Um, and then as we always say in the beginning of every show, um, if you have a show idea or a, uh, an issue you'd like to see us explore, please message us on Facebook, um, or write in the comment section right now. And, uh, we've, you know, had several people do that and we've gone ahead and, and, and covered the issues right here on the show. So tonight, tonight, oh my gosh, Lisa, Lisa, we are going to explore, we're going to help parents and we're going to explore meet your kids needs and manage their wants, which I love that parents, Owning their mis oh that's my notes are and how to get your kids to listen to you, which I think with everybody being in such close corner quarters right now that this is huge. Yep. And according to you know some of the likes we've already gotten in promoting the show, um, I think it's a really good topic for us to be hitting right now as kids are going through all these transitions and getting back to school and all the stress of the, you know, the pandemic and being virtual school. 
I mean, there's just families are just under so much stress right now. And the parents and the kids, there's a lot of struggles. So Lisa, how can, can we first have you talk, you know, talk about these two titles a little bit? About the um, meet their needs, manage their wants? Yes. Yes. That that sort of goes along with my whole theory is that if you're meeting their their needs and managing their wants, you are fulfilling everything they have. need but they also have to learn to earn their wants so i'm an example of that like a need would be healthy food a want would be potato chips so that really simplifies it so parents understand that because when i start getting into sell you know if they need a phone if they need a car it gets more gray but i have to say by the way that's not a need it's a want yep she throws on us um Give us just a second and see if we can get her back here. Matt, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, you're back. There okay. she is. Lisa, I think you're back. Go ahead. Oh, I, I didn't know I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here. You could. You could. You froze on us. Yeah. So you were. You just talked about the potato chips. Well, what yeah. I said. Okay. So what I said was needs are whole, like healthy food. Yeah. So if I simplify that, when I'm talking to parents, they sort of understand the difference. They still need food, but it's like you have to manage it. So then when parents say to me, well, they need a cell phone, they need a tablet, they need a, they need a car. I have to buy them all those things. Are those really needs? Right. And they, they actually, some parents will say, well, yes, well, actually they're not. So that's what's going on these days is parents really are indulging their children with um, giving them everything they want trying to be friends and they're doing that just because they don't know what else to do. So that's yeah. what I'm here to talk about is how you be, you know, I, my is parenting like a leader mm-hmm. and leaders are like mentors. They're trying. Yep. Lisa, we got you frozen again. Oh no. Okay. Now you're back. Okay. So did I stop? Cause that's good stuff. I don't want you to miss it. <laughs> I know. I don't want anyone to miss it either. <laughs> So, okay, so I was talking about how parents these days often mix up the wants and the needs. So that's just a baseline, like healthy food versus potato chips. Um, They need to, and with cell phones, by the way, I do believe cell phones are pretty much needed these days because we want our children to be available. And just because something's a want doesn't mean we're withholding it. It just means we have to kind of consider it. And also, we control it. So if their behavior is wonderful, they can have a lot more wants. But we start pulling those away, but we never take away needs. And one of the needs is love. So oh, Very good. Very good, Lisa. Okay. So um, I'm going to give you a really good example of, uh, I was talking to this family just recently. And they were really struggling with that time, which is one of my most easy things to deal with, right? But they really struggle with this. And they say, I say, well, Go through a little scenario here. So what are you thinking at eight o'clock when it's bedtime? The parents need to get. Yep. Wait, Lisa. Got to come back. Um, I'll you back. back. So the parents are thinking, am I back? Yep. Okay. So the parents are thinking everything they want, why they want their kids to go to bed. I need more time to myself. If they don't go to bed, it'd be really difficult to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. So they think it all through. And why won't they listen to me? This makes perfect sense. This is what parents think. And I say, well, really, what the kids are thinking is 
I don't want to go to bed at eight and I haven't had to in the past because all I have to do is throw a fit, ask for water, say I don't feel well, I got a tummy ache and I can stay up all night. So that's what kids are thinking. So they're not on the same page at all. Mm-hmm. And your kids aren't listening to you, but you're also not listening to them. Yep. Yep. He was two and he was out in the back sandbox and he was throwing stones over the fence, hitting the fence. It was going into the neighbor's yard. I was horrified. I go running out there and I'm talking to him like, like most parents that I know now do, but I certainly not the way I thought of it later. But I said to him, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, That's really mean. We're going to have to go over. You're going to have to apologize to the neighbors. I carted him down. He apologized. We picked up this yeah, a wonderful mother I'm doing everything so beautifully go back up put him back in the sandbox one more lecture you know you don't do that and he's like no oh, okay okay he's two right he's two right, right. so I go back in the house and I'm cooking and I'm keeping an eye on him he starts doing it again <laughs> I was shocked because I thought I was such a yeah I thought he understood but really I hadn't entered his world at all I had dealt with that entire thing in my world. Mm-hmm. So what I did, it, it just hit me. I went storming out there and I could have wrenched his neck. I mean, it was just one of those situations where you just see yeah. red. Right? And then I just, it, like a stone, it was up, well, like he probably hit me. In the head. Yeah. Uh-oh. We're going to go down and we apologize to that. And then I said, okay. Mommy's inside watching you. So I went back inside and I continually talked to him. What a good boy. Because I could see he would have done it again. Because I was thinking, you don't do that, right? Thinking, mm-hmm. fun. when mom goes in the house, she can't see me. That's all he was thinking. He, was, he didn't care about the neighbors. He doesn't care if it's right or wrong. Only I cared about that. So then yeah. I learned right then and there, enter his world. And get out of my own head. So every time yeah. a child does something, I try really hard to remember when I was eight or two or three or 17, which is like 100 years ago. But I try really hard to remember what it's like without all that wisdom and experience. Yeah. What does it feel like? Yeah. So he was doing, you know, nothing that horrible. He was just doing what was fun. So yeah. that's what they struggle with is they think their kids are listening to them and they're not because you're not talking their language. Yeah. And I think you're hitting such a good point because in, in our world as therapists, it's don't forget the developmental stage that they're in. And that's the same thing. Enter their world. This is a two-year-old. This isn't a 13-year-old sitting there. This is a two-year-old sitting there. And so you, you have to come at it from that place. You know, we always say, not too many words, clear and concise. Um, and so that they can absorb it. And with little boys, I add, you know, there's a great book called The Good Son um, that helps parents to understand boys' worlds and girls. You know, there's the boys' world and the girls' world. And that they can absorb, especially real little ones, if you put your hand gently on them. And touch their skin because of their testosterone, they actually will absorb what you're saying better than if you yell it across the space. 
And I thought, oh my gosh. So I actually tried that with my son and it really does work. And later on in the show, I'll tell a cute story that really taught me this lesson with him and him having his temper tantrums at two. But um, The Good Son is a good book. If and It's a great resource to help parents to come into that boy's world, especially, you know, they are boys, a few words, um, and they are more physical. And so uh, that's a great book. It's by um, Michael Gurian is the author of that book. I um, well, I used to work with troubled teens and I was always, they always put me with the boys because they were violent, right? They were the ones yep. they wanted to call down. I always touched them when I was talking to them. Yep. Always had my hand on their yep. arm all the time. Yeah, and that yeah. makes a big difference. Um, yeah. That's another show, by the way. <laughs> oh my God, that would be such a good that's one. Another show is how to connect. With- yes. Uh, Ooh, you froze. Uh, yeah, I just want everyone back. to know that Lisa is coming to us from Canada. Um, she is. Uh, are you in? Are you in British Columbia? Vancouver. Oh, Vancouver. She's in Vancouver, so we're having a little bit of technical stuff, but please please bear with us because she's coming to us from Canada. Okay, so continue. Well, with teenagers, I will touch on this a little bit. Um, if you, oh, so much I want to say, and I'm just going to yeah. try and concise here. Um, most parents with the teen years, because they haven't disciplined their children, mm-hmm. If you discipline young children, they will grow into teenagers with self-discipline because you just do it later. My son always said he was the one that would have got into trouble if he was in a different household. Yeah. Well, maybe not big trouble, but he was one to push the boundaries. But he said, you were always sitting right here. And I said, no, maybe when you were little, I was. But as a teenager, I was always sitting right here. He said, you were always sitting right here. That was his own self-discipline. He couldn't, couldn't do anything bad because he didn't know any different right yeah discipline when he was old anyway boy do you ever have to take a step back when they're teenagers shut up and listen let them make mistakes don't judge tell them all the stupid things you did when they do something dumb say yeah that was but boy wait to hear what i did like that was so you want to allow them to be perfect they don't know they know what their future career is they might not know who they're in love with they're experiencing life and they're learning just be there as a safety net when they need you, but not for every little piece of string. You just yeah. make sure that you are just there in the background and watch them flourish. Now, no one who hires me can do that yeah. because their kids are already in trouble. Yeah. Right. That's a whole different thing. So I won't even go into that today yeah. because that's a whole different thing. How do you expect when you have in and out with them? That is a whole different thing. Yeah. You're back. Once I back out again? Yeah. In and out. Out. No. yeah. Okay. It's very different getting respect when you've shown them that you didn't earn it for 15 years. Yeah. It's very different. It's doable for yeah. sure. Transformations is what I do. It's doable, but it's a lot of work. It's a yeah. lot easier if you discipline from, from the time they're really little. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Can I add one thing to that, Lisa? Because I am, I 100% agree with you. And also when parents are dealing with kids and the kids have done something wrong and it scares you as a parent, be careful of turning all of your fears with your child into anger. 
because I see that over and over again, where they're yelling at the kid, but in reality, the kid's done something that scared them. And to say, look at when you do that, you scare the hell out of me. You know, when you, you know, when you, when you take the car and you're speeding like that, I mean, you got a ticket, but you don't understand right now. You scared, I'm scared to death for you. I don't want you to make a choice in which you get hurt. And so I need to breathe for a minute because that freaks me out. I, I have a different approach to that. Yes. Um, that you have to understand what it's to me. I, um, anything. Yep. You're right. That's sort of, it's almost, I, I get where you're coming from and it makes sense, but it's almost a command. You have to understand, believe me, a, a real troubled 15 year old kid's going, I don't have to do nothing. You say, <laughs> you know, they're, they're really got an attitude and they're like, like the, the real rough kids. They're gonna They're not going to respond to that. So they really don't give a crap how you feel because yep. they don't respect you. Yeah. So you don't earn respect by telling them how you're feeling. That, you just like you said, that's a really troubled kid. That's yeah, a right. really troubled kid. I'm, for talking crisis. I'm talking crisis, violent offenders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've tried suicide a few times. Uh, yeah. They've been very violent towards others and dangerous. They might have just come yeah. out of a TV home. So I've dealt with all of those. And, yeah. and there are real, I mean, I never even tell anyone how I work with them because it's so different with each one. It's intuition. You've got to yeah. know when to go in, when to come out. you got to really know what to give them. But it's all about them. They're so selfish, you wouldn't believe it. Yep. You have to just give, 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 give. I don't talk about myself. They barely even know my name. But it's all about them. Before they know it, I'm under their skin and they're telling me everything. And then they start to respect me. You see how I go at it? I get in their skin. I, the I get into their world. That bond, the importance I get that, of that bond. bond. I yeah. And I never give advice. Mm-hmm. Never give advice. Yeah. Everything I do is done through acceptance and love and empathy. And But I never give kids advice. I never told my kids what to do. My mom never told me what to do. Mm-hmm. If ever I went to my mom with a problem, she'd say, well, you got a good head on your shoulders. Let's work it out. Mm-hmm. Mom, tell me what to do. No, no, no. You got a good head on your shoulders. So you see how that gets your respect. And, and builds confidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lisa, you know. So, um, you know, talking about, can I, can I just a uh, uh, little lecture here about yelling? I consider yelling to be abusive. I, my, I was never yelled at. Um, I never yelled at my kids except once. My son was 12 years old, and he was a great kid. Taking out the garbage, it dropped all over the kitchen floor. All the- yeah. I yelled for the first time ever and he looked pure white his lips went white and he'd never been yelled at before yeah and it, anyway so I made it up to him it was horrible you know I I, I didn't completely lose. like for me I lost it because I don't yell so and I said the like d-a-m word I swore like I never yeah. swear or anything. yeah so anyway then I said I felt horrible I bought him a new PlayStation game he tried to get me to get, tried to dump the garbage after that to get more games didn't work uh-uh. anyway so it turned into be funny. He's 30 years old and he still says that was the, the most damaging thing that ever happened in his childhood was me yelling at him that one because he'd never been yelled at. Now what now that got me thinking. I thought, was I really that bad? And I know I'm mm-hmm. Lisa. You're coming back now. You're back. Sorry, yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't I know what's know. going on. It's going in and on. In and out. But oh, hang on! You know what? Hang on one second, Lisa. Uh, Matt, are you there? Oh yeah. 
Uh, Barbara got booted out. Uh, she needs to dial back in then. Okay. Go ahead, Lisa. Okay, so, it's the internet, so it's nothing that I can control on this end. So. Yeah. Yeah, so Lisa, just know that there's there's internet problems. It's not us, everybody. She's coming back in now. <laughs> All right, here she comes. All right, Lisa, go ahead. Okay, so I was just going to talk about yelling and why it's so important not to yell. Um, so with that damage, she's 30 years old. My son still remembers that like it was yesterday because he'd never been yelled at before. Yeah. yeah. Now, that really, I would not have even thought of that, except yeah. at 30, he mentioned that. And I thought, wow, what is yelling really doing to children that they become immune to it? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and I said to my son, I said, how did it feel? And he goes, I just, you hurt me. You hurt my heart. Like yeah. he said, I always felt so respected. And he says, I felt like he didn't care about me. I felt like the worst of the worst things came out in him. And that the only time I'd ever yelled at him. And yeah. he still remembers that. So what's happening if you yell it to your kids repeatedly? I'm not blaming you for it because you just don't know what else to do. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. your own frustration. You're human. Yes. You do it because you don't know what else to do. But just realize what it's doing to those children. Yeah, Children who become immune to being yelled at there's something about them they're more prone to being bullied they're more prone to bullying they're more prone to have very low self-esteem which later on in the teen years when things aren't going well they can be self-harming in all different ways and um so yeah yelling is considered it's in the abuse department and i've I've talked to a lot of parents about this and uh, they say oh their kids don't even listen when they yell and i thought ooh, that's not yeah so yeah and Lisa, we do need to do a show about boys because I'm going to go right there. Um, You know, with testosterone in young boys, um, testosterone makes them more physical. We all kind of, oh, yeah, you know, they like the rough and tumble. But I, I say you've got to take that a little bit further that it makes them very in tune to their physical bodies. And so when you yell at a boy, they feel it deeply. They physiologically feel it. When, you know, I always say when I, when I yell at my daughter, I could yell across the room. I could give the instructions. I could say, hurry up. We have to go. And she'll yell back and she'll say, mom, I'm coming. My gosh, you don't have to yell, blah, blah, blah. We'll have a dialogue. And we're not really feeling what we're doing when we're yelling back and forth. Where with my son and with what I've seen in my practice, boys physically feel it much more intensely. And so I say to parents of boys, especially, if you want to get through to them, if you really need them to hear you, the yell is not going to work. They're going to close up and and try to manage what that makes them feel like. So I, I agree, especially with boys, especially with I didn't know there was a difference. Well, I have girls. And so um, it's interesting you say that because um, the girls have been raised in, um, in a household where there hasn't been much yelling. Mm -hmm. And the few times it has happened either because they were about to get hurt or get into an accident. And I've had to yell to stop that. It's devastating to them. Yeah. They look at you like you've become somebody totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember very distinctly what it felt like to be yelled at mm-hmm. and how small it makes you feel. It really makes you feel diminished. I, 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 those sensations are so real and raw for me. I feel it. 
And one of the things that I've done as I've raised the girls, and you have to remember, mine have been close in age. So there was a time I had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and four-month-old twins. But even then, I, what I learned to do was to let everything else fall apart that usually gets mothers who are trying to be perfect mothers get themselves into that stress cycle where they start yelling at their kids. I learned very early on to let it all go. The house is a mess, let it go. The laundry's not folded, let it go. Dinner's not ready, we're going to order in. But I learned to have to do that so that I could stay relaxed and in the moment with them so I didn't yell. Because I have empaths, you know this, Mary Grace, all four of them. And so the minute stress started to rise inside me, they would start fretting and I could feel it. And so they would feed off of that stress. And so I do totally agree that yelling, yelling at children can be devastating. And it really eats at their sense of self-worth and self-esteem. And you may not see it when they're little, but believe me, it does also set them up for bullying and being bullied. Because when you yell at little kids, they don't yell back at you. They just take it. And that kind of normalizes kind of being, being quote-unquote abused. So if they're on the playground and someone is bullying them, it's normalized for them, and so they will not react in a way as to defend themselves. They'll literally just let that happen to them. And so I always say, what are we doing with our children? We are trying to raise human beings that will be fully functional out in society and contribute something. So if you're raising your children with that awareness then you know that your feelings, your sentiments literally have to kind of die for their sakes. You know what I mean? So you're irritated and frustrated. Well, manage that. Don't pour it out on them so that they can become these human beings we want them to become. Hmm. I mean, it's a tall order, I know. But I tell you with practice and just, again, I guess maybe the spiritual dimension for me was just being aware that I'm a steward to these people, Okay. They don't belong to me. <laughs> they don't belong to me and they don't have a manual. And so I literally just had to, like I say, manage me so that they could be, you know. Hey, Mary Grace, it's Matt. Actually, I uh, wanted to share something with you guys. You actually have a question on one of the uh, Facebook live feeds. Uh, can I read it to you? Absolutely. Excellent. So uh, this person says, my 12-year-old has got to the point he was out of control over the PS4. Uh, refusing to go to class online, treating everyone at uh, in the home pretty foul and refusing to listen. I lost my cool and smashed his PS4. It's been a week. However, he's more focused in school now, enjoyable to be around, even made a friend um, and riding his bike, enjoying riding bikes again around the neighborhood as we speak. I bought his bike in July, and this is really the first I've seen him excited to ride his bike again. I know what I did was wrong. I feel like I need to replace what I damaged. However, I love the new play, the new playfulness and joy my kiddo has again. I'm fearful bringing the system back will just put us back to the beginning. Yes, we have been having issues with this for years. Any suggestions? Lisa, I'm going to let you jump in here. And then I'll jump in after Lisa. Okay. I was just laughing because I hear this stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I, okay, if it works, I never argue with something that works, okay? So if it works and he's a wonderful boy, why would you get another PS4? But, I think that's the same thing, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like saying, 
great. Um, so I'm going to put, put a gun to his head now. Like, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to get a PS4. Um, but. Oop. Lisa, you froze. Just so you know. Oh. Now you're back. <laughs> PS4s, whatever, all the gaming consoles. Just gaming on computers now is a bigger deal than it ever was. Um, it kind of is. I don't want to really want to rob them of that. I don't want to say that's a bad thing, but that's in the wants department. And I would say you've got an hour a day and that's it. You know, there would just be a time frame when everything's done, when you've gone bike riding. So you can't just wait up, sit around like this all day long, waiting for your one hour on the machine, but you have to go do something physical. You have to eat, you know, you have to sort of do all these needs first and then you be an hour a night if everything's good. And you know, the bottom line is, Anyway, if everything goes great today, sure, you can have an hour. It'll be my decision if it doesn't. If a kid ever argued with me when I laid down, when I laid down the law, my kids would never argue because they yeah. knew I was the fault of So I'd say, well, no. look, you know, if everything goes well today. So keep it general. In other words, you're the judge of it if it goes well. No. Otherwise, they'll fight you on every single point. So if everything goes well today, I'll give you an hour on the PlayStation between, set the time, between That's eight and right. Be clear. Yes. So let's say they're rotten and in the disrespect you say Mm-hmm. Say anything. Eight o'clock rolls around. Well, you weren't very good. You said something mean to me, didn't you? So yeah. not tonight. Then I would say, if they even consider arguing with me, I would say, do you want to double it? So yeah. no gaming yeah. tomorrow either. And then I never go past that. I only double a punishment. They yeah. learn really quickly who's in charge. That's right. You, <clears throat> you're in charge of the wants, right? Your obligation is to give them the needs, but that is not a. So if everything's going great. Good for you. And by the way, I'm not judging you for tearing that, for wrecking the PS4. No. You know how many of my clients have done stuff like that? I laugh. I can see it. I don't know. I don't blame them. But yes. Anyway. yes. I mean, I, Lisa, I don't think you know this about my story, but um, especially with the gaming, the gaming and the technology, I think Lisa stated it so well. Please set up the framework, set up the time limits. Get on there. Know what they're doing. Uh, I'm going to tell parents about um, Kaspersky as a way to control it. Screen time is another um, parenting mon. Uh, it's a parent monitoring system. Uh, get on there and um, find out what they're doing. Also, know on gaming devices they communicate through something called Discord, and um, it's important for that. Um, communication system to be on private and not public. Um, Can I just intervene for a second here? Mm -hmm. Um, Lisa, I lost you again. Okay. Okay, Am I I back? Yep. Okay. Those are great tools. Yes. A kid will always outsmart us when it comes to technology. They'll always find a way around all those tools. So I would rather go with the respect and. Absolutely. And. And he's 12, a 12 year old. There's nothing wrong with having the screen facing the middle of the room where you're walking by all the time. Okay. They cannot turn their screen against the room. So you have, that'll be, that would be a rule. If I was really worried about my kids and and thought I couldn't trust them, that's what I'd be doing. I'd say, well, you can go on there for a whole hour, but the screen's facing the family room or what, so we can all see. Gotta be public. Um, it, 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 it. And, and I, know about, I know about what kids do on internet. They will always find a way to talk if they want to find a way to talk to strangers, um, connect up with older people that you don't want. 
they'll always find a way. We will never outsmart them in well, I think the key that, that you have to get to, again, is developing that trusting relationship with your child. And you can also have that trusting relationship and have something happen. Um, and for parents who are oblivious to what's going on with the Internet, I mean, there are a lot of parents, unfortunately, that are not paying attention, not having a structure, not having time limits for these kids. And these kids are at risk. And I might my, went through this with my son who had a predator, you know, get, get to the point of giving him his private phone number. And we had to do a lot of education after that occurred. Um, and that's when we learned about Kaspersky and screen time and stuff. And we actually were very, you know, we used it as a teaching experience with my son and said, you know, I'm going to have to show you at a young age, this is what a predator is like. And this is what they do. And then they isolate you. And I kind of went through the whole dialogue with him and said, how old, how old was he when that happened? That he was probably 14, 14 years old when yeah. that happened. Um, and so it was quite, and like the mother who broke the PS4, I said, you go in there and you give me every freaking electronic you got. You are off of it. You are detoxing. And he ended up having the funnest summer. He joined theater. He's a social butterfly now. Um, so I say to that mom, kudos to you. Um, don't feel guilty. Um, and set up a structure. You know, so if, if you do bring it back, limited time periods. Pediatricians say for all exposure, this is, includes um, television. I think it is only two to three hours a day that a child should be exposed. So, um, yeah, limit the time and don't bring it back for a while. My son, I took it all away for about four months. He was kind of, I'm kind of my mind going there too. I'm kind of thinking that's not such a bad thing that he doesn't have a PS4, but also, uh, um, he's a teenager. He's he's 12. So he's a tween. Um, he's heading into the teen year. Lisa, you stopped. Am I back? Yep. Structuring becomes more difficult um, as they're teenagers. You just got to start letting go. The harder you try to structure and control them, the more challenging it can get. Um, What I suggest, what I say to parents too, is they, everything that they talk about, I said, when do we talk about sex? Well, I talk to my kids about everything from a very young age, age appropriate. So that by the time they were teenagers, there was nothing left to say. I didn't wait till, you know, we didn't talk about predators. I talked until they were like, they were probably four and five years old. They were talking about predators online. You know, everyone you talk to online on this computer is probably a, a big, hairy, older, bald man with a cigar. You know, I kind of painted this picture. (laughs) Age appropriate though. Age appropriate. And as I say, this is a pedophile on the other side to a father. Can I just ask a question? Sorry to interrupt. I'm listening and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I struggled so much with finding the balance. I didn't want my children growing up with a fear of the world and a fear and a suspicion of people because the world is a beautiful place. And I've experienced that kind of world because as you know, Mary Grace, I've traveled all over the place and I left home at a very young age 
And through the grace of kind people, I made it to where I am. And so there was a part of me that didn't want my children to miss out on that. But then, of course, there was the mother there, which wanted my children safe. And I always kind of struggled with that balance. How much is going to make them fear being out there in the big, bad world? And how much or how little is going to be, what do I need to tell them so that they're safe as well? But at the same time, kind of preserve an innocence about them. And the way it worked out for me is I, you know, I, I just learned to follow my instincts on a lot of things. Like the conversations around sex and sexuality started very early in my home, uh, simply because I, I guess for me, I have girls and I'm always, and I'm a, you know, anti-sexual violence activist. And so I've always been aware of how young girls particularly are vulnerable particularly to predators, and even among their peers, there is a differential setup between boys and girls already by society that renders girls more vulnerable, I think, to abuse, even by peers. And so that conversation around sex and sexuality and and predators also started early in my household as, as with Lisa. But I did struggle with finding that balance. And in the end, all I did was just kind of follow my instincts on things. If I saw something on the news that was usually sometimes a trigger for me, that maybe we need to just have a refresher conversations. Because it was always a continuous and continual conversation. It wasn't a one time we sit down, okay, these are the birds and the bees, and this is what could happen to you and whatever. But they knew early on things like if we go to the grocery store, Please do not stray. And if it happens that you lose me, this is what you say. This is what you do if someone approaches you and teach them the help. This is not my parent kind of yell and all those things. Because the world is what it is. It's unfortunate, but yeah. yeah. um, Years ago, I was talking to a mom. My my daughter danced quite seriously for eight years. Mm -hmm. And um, so us dance moms, you know, it's like a family, right? We talk about everything. And they were, I think, about 10 at the time. And one of the little girls, all those moms knew each other so well. And I met, I said the word sex or something like that. And the mother said, oh, shh. And I said, what? And anything about sex. He said exactly what you said, Barbara. You said you want to observe the innocence, so it's hard to know the balance. Well, she had no balance whatsoever. She told her kid nothing about strangers, nothing, because she wanted to preserve. And she was a very sweet, innocent little girl. She was 10. I mean, come on, you know. Anyway, um, so I said to her, nothing will rob your child of innocence more than being raped by mm. someone. And so I had no worries about scaring the bejeebies out of my kids. Yeah. And my son used to say, God, I never thought I was going to survive past 18. I mean, <laughs> but, they, but I was a very gregarious, outgoing extrovert in the world. So they had that example that I'm friendly. I think everyone's great. I go out there thinking everyone's great. But I'm not, but I know what to look out for. If someone's online, that's when you scare them. Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. Face talking. They probably look like that guy with a cigar hanging out of his face, sitting there in his underwear. Like, that's what I always told them. So (laughs) nothing will ruin their innocence more than being touched, abused some way by someone. So I don't, I don't have any problem. But you know, if you're, if you walk around looking scared, that's another thing. Like I said, I was an extrovert, and I still am. I talk to everyone everywhere. So my kids had that example that 99.9% of people are great. Watch out for that 1.1%, right? So and you're absolutely I correct. Children learn more anyway 
more by what you do and demonstrate than what they hear. And we, we talk about this all the time with, uh, when we talk, say, for example, about internalized racism. Where are children learning this? Are they learning it from words that are said or from actions? And it's literally from little actions like you see somebody, a person of color coming towards you and you, 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 you know, your body tenses, your kids feel that. And that's how they're learning to make those associations. So you're absolutely correct in saying you going out gregarious and confident and friendly teaches them that that's okay. And then, of course, the cautionary tale of that, those few crazies out there. So, yeah, well, I love that. Them, and it teaches them. And I also said to them, you respect people. But if you ever feel funny about someone, you say, I, I don't want to talk to you right now. Any adult who says, why not run? Because if a child, I, I had a child say something like that to me once. And I just said, oh, are you having fun? I'm not allowed to talk to strangers. And I said, good for you and walked away. You know, yeah. but any adult who says, why not? You should talk to someone. Look out. Like I taught my kids all that stuff. You know, we yeah. used to, plus we used to, you're talking about kids are watching you because of course they use their eyes more than their ears, right? So they watching everything you do, but they hardly listen to anything. But also you do, if you really want to train them about something, use act it out like do like little skits or whatever we used to have a riot doing stuff like that and we dress up with this you know like it's just like hey little girl like we right, did all sorts right. of weird stuff i taught them but it was done in a funny way but the message was there and it's yeah. okay to say no and yeah. if an adult doesn't respect that then they're not a good adult you go to yeah. the next person yeah. Yeah. and i always said if you're ever somewhere and so i pass out or something happens to me yeah. you go to an older woman like someone my age now yeah, yeah. Older, and i just sort of but they, but that, mm-hmm. Like they didn't, it, that would not have scared a child. You know, if anything happens, you never know. And, go, and then we just keep talking because yeah. it wasn't a big conversation. It was just a little, oh yeah, just in case or, right. you know. So yeah. I, don't, I don't believe in worrying about their innocence so much. I'd much rather err on the side of, of messing them up and worrying about the world than not knowing anything. They're much more vulnerable that way. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm thinking about listeners right now. Um, who might be saying to themselves, I, you know, how do I know if I have good instincts? Um, I'm not so extroverted. Um, what do I do? And, and I want them to hear. Um, the, the key thing that Lisa is, is saying is when you go to introduce certain subject matter, it's age appropriate. So, to hear that part is so important. And if you as a parent feel unclear about that, there are so many great parenting books that will help you. Um, Lisa, you talked about playing it out, you know, and that is so powerful with kids. That's called give them a chance to let them learn in displacement because then the subject matter is not so scary and they have more freedom to show you where they're at or show you what they don't understand when it's in displacement, it's easier for a child to absorb it. And sometimes when parents are really, really insecure, then, you know, you can get parenting books. You can use, you know, we were talking about sex and how to introduce that and how important it is to talk about it. Um, there's so many books that can help you with that, whether your child is a boy or a girl. Um, and some books will help you, you know, you can look at play therapy books. Um, play therapy is just what Lisa was talking about and it's learning, you know, to, to 
do in a, in a fun way, a nice lesson, whether it's sex education, whether it's about aggression or keeping your hands to yourself or good touch, bad touch, whatever it is, um, use resources to, to help define it for you. Any way that you can find a way to open up and talk to your kids about this stuff. And also you don't have to be comfortable with it. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Yes. But whenever I role played or we did, it was always done funny. Like it was always, cause I'm very into humor. So the kids grew up with the crazy mother. They, everyone knew that. I always ran around with underpants on my head. I thought I was weird. I think I, my son was 18. It was enough with the underpants on the head. <laughs> I never quite grew up. I went to have grandkids now, but anyway, um, don't be afraid to, um, to say, you know, Oh, I'm not comfortable talking about it, but let's talk about it anyway. Like I did that all the time. Yes. And my son and I were watching, he was about 13 and I let him watch Pulp Fiction, whereas I never would have let my daughter watch it. For some reason, my son and I just had a real connection. I thought you will love this movie. And we, it was really, Oh, he's probably more like 14. I don't know what he was. It's a pretty raw movie, right? Well, through all the horrible scenes, this was the two of us. Oh, so nice weather there. Hey, yes, lovely. (laughs) Yes. It didn't stop the conversations. And by the way, if you're worried about rubbing your kids' innocence, I guarantee they're going to hear this stuff at school. And they're going to hear it wrong. They're peers. I learned about sex from my neighbors, from my neighbor who had like three or four older older sisters. So, but it was all wrong, like completely wrong. And... So, yeah, they're going to hear it somewhere. You want them to hear it right from you. But don't worry about, like, I was always messing up with my kids constantly. Oh, well, yeah, we, you want to talk about sex? Okay, let's talk about it now. Yeah. <laughs> I, have no I have no problem looking awkward, but we talked about everything. Yeah. So, but I just want to jump in here for a second because I think you're hitting something that is so freaking important. And that is parents, it's okay to mess up. Mm. own it grab it I, I, I quick story I was tired I came it was a Tuesday I had a lot of clients I came home from work my kids were smaller and I was like oh my gosh you guys again with the backpacks on the table like geez oh Pete I've got to get dinner and you've got the backpacks on the table and I could and then I saw their little faces and they were frozen and I said do you know what this is right now do you know what mommy's doing and they're like, no, what? I go, this is called the adult temper tantrum. And I am wrong. And I am not right. And I need to sit my butt down and maybe I need a timeout. And they, they looked up and they're like, and my daughter came up to me very seriously. She put her hands on my knees and she goes, mommy, adults have temper tantrums? Yeah. And I said, yes, they do. And this is what it looks like. And I apologize. I am tired and I am loud. And it is not your fault. It is mine. And we all started to laugh. And my son came over and he goes, you going to be all right, mom? Mommy's getting better. I said, no, will you do me a favor? We just move the backpacks. Just move the backpacks. And I didn't even realize for myself how powerful that was because I taught them how to make mistakes. You want to show them how to do that. You want to show them that it's normal. Don't be afraid of it. You want to teach them how to apologize. 
and that they won't be shamed for making a mistake. Yes. Human trait, we all make mistakes. The thing is, when we set ourselves up as perfect, which is such a danger, especially for the mothers, this idea that you want to be the perfect mom, and a lot of it coming out of society and what society pitches as the perfect mom. You know, the woman who comes out on the ads uh, wearing high heels and vacuuming and, and, you know, with her hair all in place and stuff. All nonsense, right? Yes. But when you demonstrate to your kids that you make mistakes and can own them, it's such a powerful lesson for them too. Yes. Because I found with my girls, one of the things I always said to them is, you will never get into trouble for telling me the truth. The truth. No matter what it is. However, if you lie to me oh. and I will find out, then I'll be really upset. And so simple things like, who left this plate here? I did, mommy. Okay, come and move it, please. Sorry, gets moved. As opposed to them fearing you so much that they would laugh. Who left this plate? You know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, that, again, it, it, it just, it's a harder way of parenting, but it is the right way to parent, is when literally you keep always in the forefront of your mind that it's not about you. It's about raising these people, as I call them, because they're little, but they're people. Yeah. So if you can remove yourself and, and, and raise them to be their own self, allow them to be their own selves, it's, it's, it's amazing. And so just those little lessons, I mean, my 18-year-old uh, once wanted to go to a party. And um, because of these lessons that, are, that, that we had over time, she, she'd come to me and she told me, I want to go to a party and I just want to tell you that the people who are going will be drinking. And I said, okay, what about you? Mm-hmm. And then she said, well, I'm driving. So I said, oh, wise. Here's a question. If you weren't driving, tell me. And then she said, and I knew, she looked away, she looked at me and then she said, I mean, would it be okay if I had a drink or two? But because we'd had the drinks conversations, we'd have, you know, they, they were allowed to drink in here, okay? Um, and yeah, child protective services, come and get me if you want. But I did allow them because I have Italian friends that come from Africa. And you know what? In Africa, it, there's no big stigma around alcohol. The result is if you destigmatize, demystify the stuff, the kids lose that crazy obsessive interest. So all this to say that your teens particularly will actually come to you with things they are unsure about rather than try to hide it from you if there is this basis of open communication, if there is this basis of you having done some stuff and you own up. I told my kids I've smoked weed. That big deal. Because they asked me. So, Mom, and why would I lie? I mean, to do what? I want them to learn from my mistakes. I want them to learn from, and for them to know that I was their age once too, and I navigated this, and I came out the other end just fine based on certain decisions that I chose to make. So all this to say, yeah, it's, it's really important, that communication piece. Yeah. yeah. You just said, um, I want them to learn from my mistakes. I think every parent said, I never said that. Mm. <laughs> I see that as an option. Yeah. Um, I think I want them to learn from their mistakes. I just would rather them not be big ones. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really didn't want them to learn from my mistakes. I want them to build their own path, Yeah. you know, and, but I just was there to guide them to not make any big mistakes. That's, you yeah. know what I mean, like the real yeah. things. Yeah. 
I guess what I meant by that is literally like, yeah, I did make mistakes and I, I tell them and I share them about it. It's important that you, I mean, I certainly always was very human with my kids because we were buddy, we were best friends. I was the goofy mom, but boy, oh boy, one thing I never ever swayed away from was I was the disciplinarian Mm -hmm. and I was there to make sure they were nice kids. That's it. If they ever step one toe out of line and not be nice, I came down like a forklift. Like it was yeah. big yeah. time. Yeah. That was, I just stopped there. The pants came off my head and I was serious. So yeah. you, you've got to have your borderlines, but yes, I do agree. You've got to be human. So you've got to show your kids that yes, I make mistakes too. And that's okay. Right. So that's what you, that's what your message is really is to show them that you're human and it's yeah. okay for them to be human. Yeah. Because yeah. too many parents expect too much. You know, how on earth could he have done that? I told him it's bad for him. <laughs> yeah, like that's going to work. You know, <laughs> it's not doesn't work that way <laughs> not to do something. But I kind of want to get back to basics here because we did say we're going to talk about how to get your kids to listen to you. So I'd like to go through just a couple of real basic stuff here because we kind of, as as happens, a whole bunch of people who love talking about parenting. And uh, we could, I mean, I could talk for hours about this. But I do want to kind of... Um, talk a little bit about the basics when I talk to my, when I'm coaching my parents and they, one of the first things they ask me, which I'm always shocked at, but I shouldn't be. They ask almost, I'll ask this. Do you think I'm a bad parent? They almost always say that. And I say, do you think a bad parent would hire a parenting coach? (laughs) What kind of bad parent would do that? But they're so, we're actually almost get teared out about this, but they're so hard on themselves. Parenting is difficult. I was born with a basic natural intuition toward kids. I suck at so many things, right? So I think about this as if doing taxes to me is like I sweat when I think about it. Whereas they, most of my parents would go, what's the big deal? It's the same kind of thing. But I understand what it's like to really feel like you suck at something. Like I know what that feels like. And that's how they feel when they come to me. So I tell them that you have, you are like almost every other parent in that you worry that you're not doing a good job. That's normal. It's normal to feel that way. When you see those perfect parents, those mothers you talked about pushing a vacuum cleaner in a bikini or whatever, you know, she looks great. (laughs) You know, that's not reality. That's just fantasy. The reality is on YouTube, you go on there and look at all these moms who are struggling. There's so many people out there to connect with. Don't look at celebrities. Most moms don't have seven assistants and makeup artists. And, you know, it's reality is that most parents feel like they're doing something wrong or they worry about what they're doing. That's normal. So what we do is I teach parents how to be human. Like you said, tell them it's okay to make mistakes. But also here are the rules. You lay down the law and you say bedtime is eight o'clock. You have to have healthy food. You can choose which ones. I gave my kids end up. I think two vegetables a night, but they could choose which two. Mm-hmm. So I had all these rules, but they still had a lot of choices. And I'd say bedtime is eight o'clock. So when I said initially how the parents thought about bedtime and how the kids were so different, here's what I thought about bedtime. It's eight o'clock. It's happening. My kids thought it's eight o'clock. It's happening. That was just a rule. They would never question the rule, but my rules were uh, very clear, very precise. They were um, always enforced. Mm-hmm except and i've got i'll tell you that in a second but my rules were like family law and whenever i have my parents i've got that free chart on my website whenever they make that up they often call it like the smith law or whatever that's law you pick and choose that very carefully something that you know that you can follow through on right Right. it's small battle small battles first 
practice on those. Stop yelling instantly. Yeah. That's one thing you have to do. And if you do yell, the kids get to punish you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mom and dad are not beyond punishment and being accountable. So I'm all about accountability. If you show your kids that you make a mistake, like Mary Grace, you were saying, apologizing. I, say, I taught my kids the three steps to apologizing. And the first one is say you're sorry, which I don't care about, but everyone wants to hear it. Say you're sorry. The second one is it was all my fault, nothing to do with you. You don't say to the kids, well, you were rotten, so I had to yell. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nobody else's fault. I'm sorry. It was all my fault. The third one is the most important one that most people don't do is make amends. Say, what can I do to make it up to you? Mm -hmm. In other words, you're showing them giving. You're giving. You took something away from them. Now you're giving it back. So my kids grew up doing that with me, too. So apologizing just comes naturally. You know, my son would not have done that in probably any other home. It doesn't come naturally to him to say, I'm sorry, but he does. Yeah. Like, I can tell it's not in his basic nature, but he was trained that way from a really young age. Mm-hmm. Be accountable. Show your kids that you're accountable. Okay, you make mistakes. But pick those rules very carefully. One, pick the small ones, not the big ones. Pick the big, you know, the little challenges first. Get some clout with that, and then you move up to the next one. You don't lay down the law like you have 50 rules. Just pick one. It's bedtime, 8 o'clock tonight. Let everything else go. Perfect that. What will happen is the rest of the rules will just come easily. But we start small. Pick your battles. Pick a small one. Don't pick the biggest one first. Yeah. And if you're dealing with a troubled team, there's really not much I can tell you on this platform right now. <laughs> that's really in-depth, right? That's really in-depth. But we're getting there. If you're in crisis, if you're in crisis, it's very near and dear to my heart because you definitely you can save lives with this stuff is knowing how to deal with the teenager in crisis and often nobody knows what's going on in their head um but that is a it's a whole different show and uh, but anyway i i really want to stress to parents that you're not alone most of my clients are i mean i'm not cheap so most of my clients have money they um, often want the nanny in on the calls. I don't. <laughs> so um, we go in about how to get respect and you start small. These people are running huge corporations. They are powerful, successful people. And they get this little two-year-old, all of a sudden they're blubbering idiots. They don't know what to do. <laughs> so it's just, it's normal. It's very normal to struggle with parenting. Yes. You're yeah. not alone. No, you aren't. No, not at all. Great. Not at all. Great message and you know to that mom that wrote in you know you get a lot of support from us here um and you know keep that ps4 away for a while uh and then when you bring it back bring it back with a structure um and if you feel you've really made a mistake whether it's you know how you broke it or screaming while you broke it grab onto that part you know, you can always say, I'm sorry. Can I just say, can I just say too, because that boy's 12, you want to start going into the teen stuff at that point, because he is still tweaming, he's on the cusp, mm-hmm. is I said an hour a day is fine. Here's what you can do, and this is the stuff I love, is with kids. Show them respect by saying, he might say, look, a whole bunch of my friends are going to be online gaming all day Sunday. I say, great, you can do seven hours on Sunday, but none the rest of the week. That's exactly That's what I do with my stuff. So, so you see, you're still towing the line. You're still... Doing that, you're this much time, and use it however you want. On Sunday, then then you've used it all on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. so it's sort of you do lay down the law, but at yeah. the same time you're negotiating some things. Yeah. And this is what I know. It's really difficult for my for my parents to deal with. Like, 
well, what, how do I, when do I know? And I say, well, you talk to me about it and we'll discuss it. But that's a perfect one. Is yeah. one hour a day that can be seven in one day or split up. That's right. Right. That's so, right. so you're being fair. You're being reasonable. Good point. Good point. Well, we're, we're getting close to time here. So, uh, Lisa, as always, it's great having you. And I really do want us to do a show about t- troubled teens. Um, the suicide rate is up right now uh, in the United States. The suicide rate, not just amongst teens, but in general, is up 30% right now. Um, and so I, I just- say something about that. I, I'm sorry, but I've had some contacts from young people who were suicidal. I'm always available for that. If you are a young adult or anybody and you just want to talk to someone because you're thinking about hurting yourself, I'm here for you. You can message me. There's no charge for this. You message me. I am here for you. You are not alone. Ratbusters. If not me, I'll find you someone else. Yep. Ratbusters.com. B-R-A-T-B-U-S-T-E-R-S.com is where you, that's her website. Um, and so, and they can contact you through your, your website, Lisa. Through my website. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and so, I mean, again, you can find us, you know, on Spotify, podcast, Detroit, Google podcast, Apple podcast, YouTube, Facebook, blah, blah. Um, but please, please keep bringing the comments, uh, hit like, um, and, uh, it's so so good to you know hear from our viewers we barbara and i oh my gosh we appreciate it so much um and we will have lisa back uh this is her second time on our show i'm sure we're gonna get up to like time 10 or something like that um because she's such a great guest so thank you lisa for joining us tonight thank you lisa on that note we we say good night Good night, all, and have a great weekend. Great weekend. Bye, everyone.